Hello and welcome to Blistering Barnacles. This is a Tintin fan podcast. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Andrew. And this is your other host, Hamish. Hamish, you've been yawning a lot this morning and this <laughs> afternoon. I was up since four, but I didn't get up until six, so that was um, boring. Boring. How come you're up at 4.15am? I don't know. Going yeah. to bed at eight? You went to bed too early. Yeah, is it your so. cruel parents who make you go to bed <laughs> too early? Maybe. You need to go to bed so. to like five past eight. Will that improve the situation? <laughs> <laughs> um, this podcast series, like we kind of talk about each uh, episode in the final English publication form. So we won't be talking about kind of the details of the original French version. Yeah, so we talk about the albums in English. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And our approach is to work through the albums according to how highly we rank them mm-hmm. rather than chronologically. Yeah. So we'll discuss the artwork. Um, we used to have a segment for this if you've listened to our first few episodes, but uh, you said, quote, unquote, it was too boring. So Talking about the artwork. Yeah. Yeah, a specific um, section on artwork. Yeah. So we just mentioned in passing. Yeah, characters. Do we talk about? The characters. best haddock moment, but today in the episode we're covering, he's not actually in it. So um, if he's in the adventure, we've replaced it with something else, yeah. which you'll see what it is, and the geography. This yeah. episode is devoted to Tintin in the East or Cigars of the Pharaoh and the Blue Lotus. Cigars of the Pharaoh and the Blue Lotus. Yeah. Cool. Together known as Tintin in the East. Yeah. And we'll come back in just a second for our background briefing. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast, and this segment is called Background Briefing. Now... Why have we called this episode Tintin in the East? Well, originally, um, Hergé wanted to call this Tintin in the East, but obviously his earlier ones, Tintin in the Congo, Tintin in the land of the Soviets, Tintin in America, it was getting repetitive, so he was bored of that. So he was like, well, now I'm going to create um, like titles that don't involve Tintin at all, but they have Tintin on the cover, so it's a given that Tintin's in them. Uh, and so... It was originally going to be called Tintin in the East. It was going to be one adventure, although I don't think that would have worked because they're kind of different stories, unlike Explorers and Destination Moon. Yeah, they're not quite a partnership, are they? So they Mm. they do follow on each other. They've got lots of references. There's continuity, but it's not the same kind of... The resolution at the end of Blue Lotus isn't necessarily what Tintin sets out to start and resolve at the start of Cigars of the Pharaoh. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so when did they first appear? Um, Cigars was in the Le Petit Ving time. Did I say? Petit Vingtième. Oh, Vingtième, which means the, the little time in French. Oh, okay. In um, 1932 to 34, and it appeared as a book um, in French in 1934. And the English translation didn't come till much later in 1971. That's, so that's Cigars of the Pharaoh, which is a pretty yeah. zany name for a book. Mm. Yeah. Um, what about The Blue Lotus? Tell us about when uh, that first appeared. That was in Petit... Le Petit Vingtième. Le, le Petit Vingtième. <laughs> Mon fils. No, that's my brother in French. <laughs> I forgot what my son is in French. <laughs> um, uh, that was in 1934-35, and it was a book in French in 1935, so the year after. Um, so it kind of was – it didn't end on a cliffhanger because you can read Blue Lotus and understand it except for some of the references – but um, it definitely, like, left an unresolved story. 
um because they were kind of in india and they didn't know what was going to happen next and then the english translation didn't appear until 1983 why is that so the reason it didn't appear in um, english until 1983 is because the british publisher called methuen um they were publishing the adventures of tintin they thought the story was too out of date like it's historical specificity this is for the blue lotus yeah it's very time specific like the japanese invasion and as far as i don't know there's any opium dens anymore well there's probably an opium den somewhere Mm. certainly around where we live there's heaps of them (laughs) but um so i you know i was a a teenager just 13 years old when blue lotus first appeared yeah it blew my mind because i didn't you know we didn't have the internet and so it was hard to find any information about tintin i didn't know about the existence of this book yeah. uh, until 1983. Oh, so the same year it came out. Yeah. Wow. So I got it the year it came out, and it kind of blew my mind. Mm. Um, when I read the first three or four pages, I was quite excited because the artwork was quite good, and then it kind of deteriorates into early Hergé. Mm. Um, yeah. What, so why why do we like this book? What are the, I mean, this, this twin, what we're calling Tintin um, in the East. Well, uh, Cigars of the Pharaoh, I don't know if I really like it. Blue Lotus is a very good book, but Cigars of the Pharaoh kind of just seems a bit drawn out. But it's still a good book, and that's why we've ranked it. Is this our fourth episode? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't like Cigars of the Pharaoh. I think it's too old-school, chaotic tinting, but I like mm. Blue Lotus. So yeah. together, I think they kind of work Yeah, um, well. so it deals with like racism which in the 30s was a big problem and like tintin for the first time is standing up to racism and he's like helping chang and stuff um you put opium in the script uh <laughs> that's why we like it cuz you know like the think about the books that you contemporary books that you as a child read like yeah. whether it's 13th Story Treehouse or... I haven't read that, I don't think. But well, yeah, say, for example, you that. did or you like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Like, there's no opium den. <laughs> yeah, that's this, true. This is amazing for a children's yeah. book. Now, a lot of people would yeah. say that's inappropriate. but Definitely, but this um, was nearly 100 years ago, so... Yeah, but it's okay, like, for you to understand what opium is, to ask considered questions about it. Yeah. Know where you could score it if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, there were opium dens. Yeah. At that time. So I, I kind of like that it's unvarnished. Yeah. Um, I like the weird dreams in Cigars of the Fairy. You know, Tintin has those weird dreams and he wakes yeah. up in a coffin in and the ocean. Like, oh, that's with insane. Um, like Professor Sarcophagus, I think. Yeah. Which is an interesting last name. Um, but, yeah, definitely. Um, so why don't we like it? I don't like Cigars of the Fairy because I find it's a bit chaotic. Like it goes from sort of zany episode to zany episode, which I think reflects the fact that in Le Petit Ventiem it was appearing as this sort of two-pager and so each one has to end in a cliffhanger. Mm, yeah, because they were appearing each week. Yeah, and Hergé wasn't trying to um, kind of think of a considered script. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's very like stop-starty, yeah, which and- I noticed in some other books by Hergé. And there's an element of magic realism in it, like that um, dart that creates madness. The There's a fakir who's got a magic rope, um, yeah. the weird dream sequences. So it's a bit it's a bit unreal. Like I think it's before Tintin finally mm. switches to being sort of... Uh, Which kind of happened in the Blue Lotus. Yeah, it becomes much more like political, much more considered. There's yeah. still some zany moments in Tintin and the Blue Lotus, but they've kind of gone yeah. um, by the end of that adventure. Yeah. Good stuff. Let's have a little 
pause. And when we come back, we talk about one of our favorite segments. Seeing we've only got five segments, it may be my favorite, and that is <laughs> Tintin Geography. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast. This is one of your hosts, Andrew. And I'm your other host, Hamish. Right, we're going to break down geography now. How many countries does Tintin visit in this double adventure? Uh, there is four. Four. Yep. India, Saudi Arabia. So India and Saudi Arabia and Egypt, which is another one, are kind of in cigars of the pharaoh. And then the fourth country, China, he spends almost all of his time in Blue Lotus, except for a few pages at the start in China in that one. But Yeah, he's in India at the start. Kind of, of yeah. yeah. He only visits Saudi Arabia and Egypt briefly in um, uh, cigars, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, cigars was kind of set in the Middle East and India, and this one was set in kind of further East Asia. Yeah, but broadly in in South Asia and Southeast um, Asia, yeah, and Southeast Asia. Uh, and Tintin starts Cigars of the Pharaoh on a cruise. Yeah, which is a bit unlike him, although he does go on a cruise type thing in Tintin in the Congo. But he goes on a cruise in Tintin in the Congo. Have you ever read Tintin in the Congo? I have. I, the bits I like of Tintin in the Congo where he go around, goes around wreaking havoc on the wildlife, you know, yeah. shooting things up. Yeah. But um, I must admit I don't know uh, Blue Lotus as well as the other adventures because I didn't really get hold of it until I was much older. Yeah. And maybe beyond my peak Tintin reading years. Mm-hmm. Tintin visits a place in Egypt called Port Said. Is this a real place? Uh, no, it's not a real place. So... It's just a fictional city in a real country, which is quite rare for Hergé. He would either make, he would either set it in a completely real place or a completely fictional place like Sildavia, Borgeria, San Theodoros. Oh, so he doesn't usually rock a fake city in a real place. Yeah. Oh, good on him. He's a sort of variation early yeah. on. Tintin is briefly incarcerated in something called the Guy Pajama Mental Hospital. Guy Pajama. Where is Guy Pajama? Uh, it's a principality in India. Is it real? No, oh, it's fictional. But um, apparently it's in, set in British India, which doesn't really exist anymore. But No, but at the time yeah, that Urge wrote it, uh, India was still a um, British colony. A, a British yeah. colony, yeah. Um, Guy Pajama, which translates, I think, like something cow in pajamas or something like that. Maybe I made that up, but it's, it's <laughs> maybe you did, or maybe it's true. It's quite panoramic, isn't it? The geographical distance that Tintin travels. Yeah, in he this. probably spans the largest area out of in this double adventure because in uh, oh well no the moon Sega because he oh, goes of course, to the moon. the moon he rocks the moon which is but, his um, greatest geographic adventure. But uh, like staying on Earth, it's definitely this. Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast. In this segment, we talk about characters. Yes. How come you're smiling so much? <laughs> I don't know. I just on our script it says Tintin, small, bald. Uh, <laughs> well, it's true. Um, he's much, much shorter than he is in. Cigars of the Pharaoh, at least the copy we are, and his head is circular, and his hair kind of just is is part of his head. It's just a bit darker orange, and then kind of just sweeps up. But his peak is at the very front, where in later books it's kind of a bit further back. Yeah, and he's what I describe as 
particularly in um, Blue Lotus, his weird bendy sweaty tintin. So yeah. a lot of the time he's he, he's kind of got a loose body and um, like he's in pyjamas or something and he's always bending over in the pops of sweat yeah. coming out of his head. And he's tiny, isn't he? Like in some of the representations, he's like three foot five tall. <laughs> and he's like some of the depicted very short people taller than him. Like I think he's only a tiny bit taller than Chang, who's a child. That's right. and like um, But he can age. still handle himself. Like he beats up those three guards who were sent in to beat him up. Oh, so he yeah. can handle himself and he, he straps, he's he, got his, his gun. He, he still he, knows how to fly a plane. He knows how to fight and he does something that we have seen the first time he did it in this but not the last time, which is he avoids the firing squad. So. He avoids the firing squad. The weird thing about the firing squad and cigars of Pharaoh is that it actually seems to shoot him dead and then he ends up buried alive and rescued by mm-hmm. the Thompsons. We'll talk about the Thompsons in a minute. Well, there's also that part in The Blue Lotus where the guy is trying to take a picture of him and uh, Chang, but it's actually a gun that he's trying to shoot at them. Oh, that's right. So he avoids yeah. being shot a few times. Yeah. Snowy is, anth- is it anthropomorphic? Is anthropomorphic, that- yeah. So he, he's, he's talking in this. But Tintin doesn't seem to respond to him. I mean, even in the earlier books, like... Uh, Tintin, Cigars of the Pharaoh, which is part of this, but Blue Lotus, Snowy will talk, but Tintin won't answer him, like as if that was Snowy's thoughts, not how he was saying. But yeah. in the very early ones, Snowy would talk and Tintin would answer. That's right. So <clears throat> they used to have a conversational relationship, and by the end of the Tintin adventures, like Picaros, uh, Snowy's a silent creature with yeah. maybe passing thoughts. And this one, he's got a kind of thought world. Snowy has. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's still Snowy's in good form. <clears throat> now, Thompson and Thompson turn up in Cigars of the Pharaoh, but apparently they're not named no. in this. They're unnamed detectives. They don't <clears throat> get their names until... Until the Blue Lotus. Um, and what someone else might, what anyone might not know is that they made their debut in Tintin in the Congo. But we'll talk about that when we make that episode. Which would be like the second last, because <laughs> Tintin in the Congo is so dumb. So by the end of Tintin Adventures, that. Thompson and Thompson are either they're not turning up at all, like in Tintin in Tibet, or when they are, they're kind of like a focal point of slapstick. But they're quite competent mm. in cigars of the pharaoh. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, they're better at their jobs because even though they're arresting Tintin, that's what they've been ordered to do. In the later ones, they couldn't arrest someone if they were paid $2 million for it. Like they just try to arrest them but slip over something, which does happen with them, but... At least they succeed many of much of the time, rather than the late books. They don't succeed at all. That's true, and um, and what, one of the things about cigars of the pharaoh is that they kind of spring Tintin from a difficult situation in order to arrest him, and then he kind yeah. of flees from that. We've got a character called Chang Chong Chen, or better known as just Chang. Chang, yeah, he was based on a real person. Uh, I. Yeah, he was, and I think his name was quite similar to Chang Chong Chang. I think it was definitely Chang. He was a um, a university student that Hergé knew back in the day, and in fact, Hergé credits Chang with teaching him a lot about China and helping Hergé himself be dispelled of some of the kind of uh, stereotype, yeah. stereotypical views he held about Chinese people. And you see that kind of education in Blue Lotus, which is one of the reasons people consider it to be such a good adventure. Yeah. Uh, we've got Rastopopoulos. He turns up. Is it him in, turning up in Cigars of the Pharaoh? Is that the 
It's a return, isn't it? No, it's his first um, first one. And then he lobs up again in Blue, um, Lotus, Blue Lotus. But that's when you find out he's the villain and he's kind of the arch villain of yeah. uh, the entire Tintin series. Yeah, he turns up in Red Sea Sharks, Flight 714 for Sydney, where he kind of meets his comeuppance. And then yeah. the, the, the book that a lot of Tintin hipsters really can't stand, which is um, Tintin the Lake of Sharks, which is a Based on a, a film, yeah, and it was drawn by other people. Yeah, Rastopopoulos is actually the main villain. Yeah, well, he is the main villain in the ones where he appears. Yeah, have you read Lake of Tintin, Lake of Sharks? I have. I didn't find it very good though. No, but... wait till you see the film. It's an absolute shocker. <laughs> Not really. This is terrible. The really? animation is like <laughs> like oh. bad Scooby Doo animation. <laughs> okay, we're going to come back with our final segment in just a second, which is. Today it's going to be best Tintin moments because Haddock, he does not appear in Tintin in the East Double Adventure. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back to our last segment of Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast. Now, normally we've got best Haddock moment. But Haddock's not in this. Yes. When does Haddock first appear? He appears in The Crab with the Golden Claws, but we'll talk about that when we make it. And I think it would be in a while because it's not the best. It's okay, but... It's not, there's opium in Crab with the Golden Claws, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, Hergé was into oh, No, there's opium. cocaine. Coca- no, 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 it's opium. I cocaine wasn't featured in it, I'm Oh, really? Sure. Huh. Yeah. You've got all your illicit drugs mixed up. So <laughs> we've got three categories, uh, three um, uh, contenders for best... Tintin moment. So I've got page 46 of Cigars where he's incarcerated in the Guy Pajama Mental Hospital and in order to escape, he climbs up a tree, jumps from the tree, bounces on the stomach of a large man who's sleeping and then catapults over That's a high so wall. That's so cliche, like they're using a fat man as a um, trampoline to get over something. It's in every cartoon, every book. Um. <laughs> Which is completely... You know, that's so far from, say, Calculus Affair or Tintin hitting the moon, isn't it? This yeah. idea that he can catapult over. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and um, what did you think would actually happen if he, Tintin, jumped on the fat guy's stomach? He would stomach? wake him up um, and, like, might burst his guts or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if he was jumping from a tree, it would definitely kill yeah, him. Tintin would land on his stomach and kill the poor guy and then... <laughs> They'd, um, seeing he was in the guy pyjama uh, mental hospital, he'd be incarcerated for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. Another uh, contender for best Tintin moment is page 51 of Cigars where he uh, is in he's in a basket on top of an elephant with the um, crown prince of guy pyjama and, and the king mm. and a tiger jumps in and Tintin wrestles. <laughs> The tiger and binds it with a straitjacket. <laughs> yeah, that's another cliche thing, like wrestling a crocodile or a bear or a tiger and then like shoving it into something or pinning it down. Um. <laughs> yeah, Tintin had a fairly kind of cavalier attitude towards wildlife, didn't he, in those early adventures? Yeah, definitely. And what's your um, pick of three? Uh, uh, page 30 of Blue Lotus, so where he impersonates the Japanese general, he steals his clothes and stuff, and he walks in and goes to the unshaved man, like um, he points at his beard and goes, four days detention. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, no, he's like, oh, I haven't had time to shave this morning. And then he goes, like, four days detention. And he goes to another guy. He points at a piece of paper, goes, four days detention. And then he goes, uh, um, it's only a piece of paper, sir. And then he goes, eight days detention. And he's like, uh, 
very good, sir. And then it's like um, that guy said uh, they were like to each other, <clears throat> full of charm, isn't he? Yes. And that's our new general. <laughs> no, they didn't realise the new general was Tintin in disguise. Yeah. Of course, when they're looking at him, they don't see a, a weird skinny little Belgian <laughs> man or boy, whatever he is. You know, they don't they don't see that. <laughs> With they his think, orange hair. They think that he's actually a Japanese general, which is, again, yeah. that kind of absurdist thing that's in um, Tintin. So of those three, which would be your pick? Uh, probably the Blue Lotus one. What about you? I, I like Tintin bouncing over the wall <laughs> yeah. on the fat guy's stomach because <laughs> it's classic Tom and Jerry stuff. Well, that's a wrap for this particular episode, Tintin in the East. What do you think that we'll cover next time? Um, we were thinking of doing the Seven Crystal Prisoners, which it has no collective name. So We made that up, Seven that. Crystal Prisoners, which is yeah. which two adventures? Uh, as the name implies, the Seven Crystal Balls and Prisoners of the Sun. Or what we could do Tintin in Tibet. That's a very good adventure um, that we haven't covered yet. Yeah, why don't we do Tibet and then we'll come back with the next one after that, which will be okay, yeah. Seven Crystal Prisoners. And then we might go back to one of the early ones with um, King Otica's Scepter. Yeah, okay. That sounds like a good slate of episodes. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. We've got listeners all over the world, including in um, Mitcham in Melbourne, apparently. And America. I think yeah, we had that's like right. <laughs> seven listeners in America. <laughs> This one goes out to you all Americans and hope you make the right choice in that election <laughs> coming up. Okay, we'll see you soon. Thank you.